Welcome to Mosaic Church, and thank you for joining us here online. To prepare for today's message, we encourage you to utilize the Mosaic Cincinnati app. There, you can view the message notes, put in prayer requests, and so much more. Enjoy the message. We're going to talk about what Jesus uh, referred to as the new wine today, which you're already like, what in the world? And that's kind of how Jesus' stories go sometimes. He would tell stories or give illustrations, and people would scratch their heads and say, what does that mean? And so we're going to do exactly that today. But, you know, there's a lot of new happening right now. Our, our, our kindergartners that are just, just started school are new in Kids Church Day. That's pretty cool. It's Move Up Sunday. I think Jolie has a trampoline back there. They're jumping around and, and, and you know, moving up. Uh, did you get it? And so uh, they're having a blast. And, and, and so there's all kinds of new stuff. But I remember going, going back to school shopping with my, with my mom growing up. And uh, back then, the list was about uh, an, an eighth as long as the list is now. Come on, somebody, right? And now it's like, you know, it's like a, it's a 10-page document, you know, <laughs> single-spaced, double-sided. And uh, any, any parents know what I'm talking about out there? It's like, why am I buying 10 boxes Kleenexes? I just don't get this. But anyway, um, all of you teachers can uh, fill me in later. But, you know, kids want the new stuff. You know, I remember that when I was a kid, um, and I couldn't wait to pick out my trapper keeper. <laughs> Some of you know what that is. Some of you kids are like, what in the world is a trapper keeper? Well, hey, it'd have cool designs on the outside, and it would Velcro shut. And man, if you had a cool trapper, trapper keeper, it was just like you're leveling up in the world. But there's just something about those new pencils that you walk up to the sharpener in class, and, and you just keep going until it's about two inches long, just because you like to turn the thing. You, you know what I mean? And so all these memories from school are flooding back. If you're really special in school, you got to be the one that would empty the pencil sharpener for the teacher, and that was like extra cool. But anyway, all kinds of, of memories come flooding back when you start thinking about the new school year. But no kid wants their old stuff, right? You know, most kids, they want a new lunchbox. They want a new backpack. They want, a, in, in our house, it's a new Chromebook, right? The old one is slow. It takes forever to do anything and, and, and you know we hear all these things but why do they want the new stuff because it's a new year right if you live in Milford and you're taking your kids to school there's a new traffic pattern right and uh, some of you are like just get me out of here it's like what in the world is going on uh, but but all kinds of new stuff but Jesus comes and and he says things like I made all things new all things. And what he does is always good. You know, some new things like the traffic pattern at the high school is a little, little iffy. But Jesus is like, no, everything I do is good. And so today's story, today's illustration that Jesus gives us is all about a new life, a new age, and a new covenant between God and man. And so let's read our text together today, Matthew chapter 9, verses 15 through 17. It says, one day, the disciples of John the Baptist, that's a big deal here in this uh, story, and so underline that, came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? 
For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. Now, just a quick couple couple quick observations about this text that, that just kind of make the, the plot clot for us here at Mosaic Church is, you know, many of you, I, I would venture to say, don't fast often. So it's kind of like fast. It's like, what's that all about? And then most of us have never patched a piece of clothing. It's like when you were growing up, that's something grandma did. My mom was a great seamstress. And so she put some patches on my clothes, but I wouldn't know the first thing about patching clothes. And then third, probably not many of you in the room, maybe, maybe one or two of you have ever made wine before, <laughs> much less grown it on the vine, picked it, processed it, the whole entire process. And so right here in this, in this short illustration, most of us are like, I don't know anything about any of these things. And so what in the world could Jesus be meaning? But let's look at the context real quick. First of all, we see that disciples of John the Baptist bring this question to Jesus. If you remember two weeks ago when we finished our, our summer mixtape series, I talked about Malachi. And Malachi made some, pro- Malachi made some prophecies, and, and, and one of the prophecies was about Jesus, another one was about John the Baptist. And so fast forward 400 years, and here we go. We've got disciples of John the Baptist, and we've got Jesus in the same place. Talk about awesome when you connect the dots in God's word. But the disciples of John the Baptist were having trouble transitioning from the old way of doing things to the Jesus way, right? They were having trouble. They were, they were looking at Jesus and they were looking what they had been taught and they were looking at the law and all of the old covenant and everything that, that they were trying to do really well and they're looking at Jesus and the two just don't compute, Right? Listen, when Jesus comes into our lives, it really is a journey trying to understand and to integrate him into every facet of our life. And if you're anything like me, when you look at Jesus' words and you look at what Jesus did and you're looking at what Jesus calls us to do, sometimes there's a little friction. It's like, you want me to do what? And what about that? And what about this? And, and sometimes we think things are really important that Jesus says otherwise about. And, and I'll be the first to say that sometimes when reading God's word, it can just get really confusing. And is anybody with me? And so think about the setting here. John the Baptist, the, you know, these disciples, they were John the Baptist's disciples. And so John the Baptist was in prison at this time. And the threat of capital punishment, the death penalty, hung over John's head. And so his disciples, put yourself in their shoes. They are naturally concerned. They were fasting often on John's behalf, asking God to deliver him. And they could not understand why Jesus and his disciples had not joined in fasting for John's release. Does it make a little more sense now? It's like they were coming and they're like, Jesus, what in the world? Why aren't you in this with us? Why aren't you fasting? Why aren't you doing what we're supposed to be doing? Because John's disciples had been taught by John to fast and to fast 
often. They were also deeply steeped in Jewish religious practices which demanded a whole lot of fasting, right? And so Jesus comes to the scene and he seems to be breaking the traditional rule ritual of fasting. And they could not understand how in the world he could be the Messiah and be so irreligious at the same time. Why aren't you keeping the old traditions, Jesus? Why aren't you concerned about the religious duties and all the rituals that we're supposed to be doing? And so, you know, we don't know for sure, but there's only two options here. Either they're being critical of Jesus, and, and that's a tough sell when you're, when you're trying to hold Jesus to your standard, right? <laughs> but we do that sometimes, don't we? Or they're just asking an honest question. They're like, we don't get it, right? And just so you know, if you're, if you're searching, if you're doubting, if you're trying to figure this whole thing out, man, when you come to Jesus with an honest question, he's always up for it. Don't ever be afraid to ask your questions and to, to, to keep searching and, and, and don't leave anything on the shelf. Ask, ask, and you'll receive an answer. And so bottom line though, whether they, they were being critical of Jesus or whether they were just asking an honest question, they didn't understand, which we could all raise our hand about something in our life going on right now and just and be honest and say, I don't get it. I don't understand. And like many of us, and like many of Jesus' stories that he told or illustrations, they may or may not have understood after hearing the illustration. It doesn't necessarily go into whether or not they understand it after he said it. And so let's pray right now before we keep moving that God would open our spiritual ears today and help us to understand what he's trying to tell us. Can we do that together? Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. God, we thank you for life, just being able to, to, to breathe. God, it's such, a, it's such a gift. And God, I pray that as we listen to your word today, we wouldn't take it for granted, but that we would just have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart ready to understand. And, and, and we wanna be shaped by you. We wanna be molded by you. And so whatever you need to do in our lives today, we're ready and we're willing. In Jesus' name, amen. And so what was Jesus trying to tell us through this illustration? The first thing I believe that he was trying to tell the disciples of John, and he's trying to tell you and me today, is that he is right here. Jesus is right here. And you say, Joe, I don't see Jesus in the room. Well, hey, we're going to get to that in a minute. But Jesus, at this moment, he literally was standing in front of the disciples of John the Baptist. He was standing with his disciples. And, and through this illustration, he's like, hey, guys, I'm right here. Jesus replied in verse 15, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. You know, uh, with the whole starting of school and everything, uh, how many of you know the, the night before school starts can get a little crazy? Well, at my house, the craziness revolved around not being able to find the charger to the Chromebook. Now, this Chromebook has been passed down through the generations. 
First it was Jason. Actually, no, first it was Jolie's. And then it was Jason. And then Levi used a little bit. And now Jovi gets to use the Chromebook. And so because this Chromebook's been around for a long time, you know, no one knows what happens in summer with things like this. It's like, where did that? Because no one uses the dumb Chromebook in the summer. <laughs> and so it's like, where is that charger? And so no one knew where the charger was. You know, Jovi had turned the house upside down looking for it. She couldn't find it anywhere. And so at about 8 or 8.30 p.m. on Monday night, it, it turned into crisis mode. Before that, it was like mom and dad didn't even know there was a problem. But now it's like there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and, and, and things are about to go down, right? And so I'm trying to say, baby, come on, you know, it's okay. If you get to school tomorrow without a Chromebook, they'll give you a loaner, and it's no big deal. But how many of you want to know, in a new incoming seventh grader's mind, this was not okay. This was not okay. And so in the same way that she was like, the charger isn't here, and she was freaking out, and she was mourning, and she was having her moment, you know, in the same way, the disciples of John the Baptist did not see the significance of Jesus standing right in front of them. So you know what happened? We're looking, she's looking, looking, looking. They even drove here to church and looked all over the church because maybe at some point during the summer, the Chromebook got brought here to play games and, and the charger got left here. And so, and so they come back, it's still not here. And I said, Jovi, go look one more time. Open every box, everything in your room. And so, lo and behold, she walks into her room. She opens up a little cubby, and there it was. There's the charger right in her room. It could not have been closer, and it was even in a box that she had looked in already, but somehow had not seen it. Now, some of you, you, you would call that guy searching, right? When, when, when the husband goes to look for something, it's not there. And, and, and the husband's like, where are my glasses, right? And some of you wives are like, they're on your head, honey, right? And so, but, but we do this, don't we? We do this. We look for things all over the place that were right there all along. And so in the Old Testament, the reason for fasting was to mourn or to long for the presence of God. It was an outward sign of repentance. It was, it was an outward sign of just a total dependence on God. And so when Jesus said here, hey, someday the, the groom's going to be taken from them and they're going to fast, he was referencing his death. When he was literally going to be taken from them and all the disciples were going to mourn and freak out and even run away. And, and I bet they did some fasting during that time. But Jesus' resurrection changed everything. In fact, before Jesus went to the cross, he literally told his disciples that it's better that he go away. It's better. And so in our journey with Christ, it's easy to forget how, just how close he came and how close his spirit is because Jesus said in John 16, five through seven, he said, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me and not one of you is asking where I'm going. It's like Jesus is just underlining that we're not looking in the right places and we're not asking the right questions. Instead, you grieve because of what I told you. 
But in fact, it's best for you that I, will go, that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Man, Jesus turns things just on their head, doesn't he? Because they're all thinking, I want Jesus in the, in the flesh right here, but Jesus is saying, hey, I'm gonna send my spirit. When I rise from the dead, the same spirit that raised me from the dead is gonna live and dwell in you and me. And so now when we fast, we bring ourselves into alignment with God. We let the Holy Spirit teach us to grow in our self-control. And when we do feel like we've strayed from God and we need to come back, you know, we might fast for a time to, to, to just declare that, God, you have first place in my life. But because Jesus came down and walked in flesh and died on the cross and rose again and deposited the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives, he is here and that's the new way. Think about this, when Jesus was raised from the dead and, and he appeared to his disciples and the apostles on multiple occasions, I just think it's really interesting that a couple of those occasions had to do with food. In John chapter 21, Jesus cooks them breakfast on the beach. In Luke 24, after he had walked down the road to Emmaus and then he gathered in the room with the disciples and 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 then their eyes were open and they saw that it was really him. What did he do? He ate a piece of fish. And I'm not saying that there's necessarily a connection between these two passages, but I just think it's really interesting that after Jesus was resurrected, food was involved to show that he is with us. And yet these disciples of John the Baptist just couldn't get it that they're doing away with food to try to get close to God when God was right there in their presence. And so what's the application for you and for me today in regards to this verse? Too many times, church, we pray like he's not here. Too many times we worship like he's not even in the room. Too many times we face trials like he's not with us. Too many times we plan our lives as, his, as if he's not right here with us and directing us. But the truth of God's word and what Jesus wants you to hear today is that he is here and he is leading and he is directing and he's worthy of your praise. And, and, and man, you don't ever have, ever have to feel like you're alone because he is here, amen? He's here. He's right here. The second thing that we're gonna learn from this passage today is that we aren't just adding Jesus to our old lives. He's giving us a whole new life. Man, we fall into this thinking so much because everything is an add-on. Have you ever been checking out something online and it's like add-on after add-on after add-on page? Anybody annoyed by that? And you're, just, you're looking for those tiny little words at the bottom of the screen that say no thanks. And it's like no thanks, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks. Does anybody else know what I mean? Come on, it's like everything's an add-on. It's annoying. <laughs> Jesus is not an add-on. He's the whole kit and caboodle. Verse 16, Jesus says, Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. Translation, if you try to add Jesus to your old life, if he just is an add-on in your life, 
it's going to be a disaster. Because he deserves so much more than that. He can't just be, oh, a new patch on an old life. He wants to change it all. He wants to transform you from the inside out and make everything new. You see, sometimes when it comes to church and when it comes to following Jesus, we fall so in love with the systems, with the atmosphere or the vehicle which, that Jesus rode in, into your life. For instance, you come to church, and you're like, oh, I like that church. I like that preacher. I like, uh, man, I, I like that. And it has everything to do with your preferences. It has to do with the vehicle. And the, the disciples of John the Baptist came and were like, Jesus is not riding the same vehicle, and, and he's, he's just a whole new thing. And they didn't even recognize him. But church, we gotta, we gotta realize sometimes that, that the vehicle is not the point. How we do church, the style with which we do church, the, the, the methods with which we do them is not the point. Getting there is the point. Arriving in a relationship with Jesus is the point. You think about it, people love cars, don't they? They love the vehicles. They build garages for them. They, you know, they wax them. They take care of them. They meticulously detail them. They build all kinds of different models of them. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you have a, a Ferrari or a Pinto. The main purpose of that is to get you to your destination, right? But at the, at the end of the day, every single vehicle that will ever be on this earth has a lifespan, but at the end, it's a means to an end. Too many times, though, we just want to put our Jesus bobblehead in our old vehicle and let him be an add-on, and we just want to stay true to our old traditions and our old ways of doing things and our old life, and we want to keep all of our old little pet sins and just have a little bit of Jesus, too, on the side, and Jesus is like, it doesn't work like that. He wants to be the driver, he wants to be the car, he wants to be the Lord, he's the total package. And so when it comes to our spiritual lives, we can't use old spiritual vehicles to get somewhere new, right? It's, it's, it's almost as if, like, you could use your old car to get across town, but it's almost like Jesus is asking us to go to outer space, it's like we're not even in the same, same conversation. It's like, man, I'm just not trying to get across town. Jesus is asking me to do something that I can't do, to be completely changed from the inside out. My, my Avalon, my, my Toyota, it's, 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 it's still getting me there. 371,000 miles. Come on, somebody, right? And, but someday, I'm just going to have to realize that it's not getting me there anymore. And this was the inflection point that the disciples of John were at. They were seeing that Jesus wasn't just a, 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 a new person. He had a completely different way of doing things. And spiritually speaking, church, why would we use the old clunker, our old traditions, our old ways of doing things, just stand to the script that we've always known when we have a new free car option. So systems and structures and buildings, they're important, and God uses them, but they're not the point. Here's, here's the bottom line. Relationship is. Relationship is. You're not saved by going to church. You're not saved because of what denomination you're in. 
You're not saved, you know, by these things that we put so much stock in sometimes. You're saved by having a relationship with the creator of the universe, the savior of all mankind. And so Jesus is saying it's not about religion. It's about relationship. Philippians 3, 7 through 9. Paul says, I I once thought all these things were valuable. What's he talking about? The old way of doing things. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I can gain Christ and become one with him. So what does this look like in our context? That we're not married to the method of how we do things. It might always change. We're not married to the method, but the message can never change. The message that Jesus knows you and he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you and he wants to make you new. You know, this, this can never change. And so just like the, John, the disciples of John the Baptist, we don't want to be so bound up by tradition that we can't see Jesus and the purpose that he has for our life. Romans 6, 4 says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so now we also may live new lives. New life, not an add-on, not a patch, completely new. Let's continue, number three, and see and unpack this further. What does this look like? So number three, Jesus is the new wine, and we need to be new vessels. Verse 17, and no one puts new wine into old wine skins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wine skins so that both are preserved. Man, some of you are like, man, this is one of those verses I never understood. I never got, I just don't get it. Well, listen, there are a couple applications of this. So in the practical, the new wine, you know, because of the fermentation process, if the, if the old wineskin had already been stretched, then it would literally burst it. And so you gotta pair new wine with a new wineskin so that the new wineskin can stretch and hopefully not burst under the pressure of the fermentation process. So what does that look in your life? Because if Jesus is new, if his message is new, but I'm just the same old me, right? And so if you literally can't put new wine in an old vessel, then listen, none of us have a chance. None of us. Why? Because we all bring our old junk with us to Jesus. That bad choice that forever changed your life. That addiction that you just can't kick. That world-imposed identity. Right? We bring that divorce, the premature loss of a loved one, that family pattern that is leading us straight to the same destruction as our family tree would dictate. At the end of the day, when we come to Jesus, we're broken. And yet Jesus is saying that the new wine has got to be put in a new wineskin. But Jesus, look, it's just the same old me. And so here's the kicker. This is the second application So the first one is that in and of yourself, you can't. You can't. But the second application is that Jesus 
makes us new. That he changed everything. That because of his death and his resurrection, because we're baptized in him, we may now also live new lives. And so Jesus makes us new. And the new wineskin is something that Jesus gives us. And it's an act of grace. It's an act of grace. He gives you new understanding because before this, before you, your, your, your mind was enlightened and empowered with the Holy Spirit and, and you understood what this, this gospel message was all about, and some of you, you still don't. You're still searching. You still have questions, and it's like, man, I just don't get it. I would encourage you to keep seeking, keep praying, and keep asking Jesus to reveal himself to you. But when he does, and when you have that aha moment that Jesus really died for you on the cross and really rose again from the dead, and because he did all that, you too can have new life, then he doesn't just put himself inside of you. He makes all of you brand new. This is amazing. And so things that never used to make sense to you, now something clicked and things begin to make sense. And, and lo and behold, because you're a new vessel, and because you are a new wineskin, you have new desires. Sometimes this happens in a moment, sometimes it happens over time, but you see yourself changing. You have a new perspective, and you see life, and you see church, and you see religion in a completely different way. You see it as, as way more of a relationship, and way less just about a list of do's and don'ts. And the, the cool thing, the miracle of all of this is that you don't just become new once. This is the miracle of the gospel, church. It's not just a one-time thing. All throughout scripture, it talks about how God makes things new. In Lamentations, it says that he has new mercies for you every day. And then in Romans, the verse we read, he says that you have new life for now. And then in Revelation, we read that Jesus is going to come and literally make all things new, not just your spiritual life, but he's going to make a whole new heavens and a new earth. And, and man, he, that's what he's in the business of doing, of making all things new. Man, I really pray that your heart and your mind today just like when Jesus puts that new wine into a new wineskin and it just begins, begins to be stretched by the process. I pray that your heart and your mind is stretched by this truth that there's enough new in him for us to be, become more new every day forever. Forever. Some of you feel completely defeated. You feel like you're at a dead stop, that you're not growing, that you're not, you know, that it's just like nothing's happening in my life. But that's not Jesus' plan for you. He wants to put deposit himself and his Holy Spirit inside of you and for you to just continue to be stretched because he's new and his mercies are new and the new life that he has for you can be new every day. When me and Jolie got married, uh, I had this whole honeymoon planned out, and like a really, really smart guy, I didn't ask her about any of it. <laughs> I just made the plans, and um, in hindsight, it's like, oh man, what was I thinking? And believe me, I've heard about it. <laughs> and so, you know, I made this awesome plan, and and the thing is, we're going to Colorado. We both love 
to hike and to the mountains and all this. And so I'm like, there's so much cool stuff to do. And because there's so much to do, man, we're going to race around. And, and so we were only like a night or two in each spot. And, and, and a couple days in, it's like, man, this isn't fun. And she's like, why are we moving again? On top of that, a hurricane happened on the day of our wedding, so we couldn't even get out of Florida to head to, um, to Colorado in time. And so that like made everything even worse. And so it was just like in one hotel this night and another next and on to this next thing. And it was just like, it was just like boom, 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 boom. And you know what was in my heart? It's like, there's so much cool to see. We, we gotta see it all. We gotta see it all. And I had this scarcity mindset when it came to time. And so it was like, oh, we just got to go from one thing to the next and one thing to the next. And sometimes that's just my personality. It's like, while I'm eating one meal, I'm planning the next. It's like, what are we going to have for dinner? Instead of trying to just enjoy what's right in front of me. But with Jesus, it's a different rhythm that we got to settle into. There's a different perspective that there's always more. There's always more time. There's always more of him. There's more of his presence and more of his provision in your life and more of understanding that he wants to give you and more strength and more of everything that you need to honor him. And so you don't have to be in a hurry. You don't have to feel like, man, you're just not good enough because he's going to create in you a new vessel and he's going to put his new wine into you and over time, he's going to expand your horizons. But at the same time, there's a warning. We do have to keep moving. We do have to keep developing. For instance, in 2 Peter 1.9, it says, But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. And so we want to keep this tension. Man, because I've been cleansed from my whole sense, old sense, I want to keep growing. I want to keep stretching. I don't want to slip back into the life of religion and just the do's and don'ts. In, in 2 Peter 3, 5, Paul warns Timothy and says, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. So Jesus is saying, hey, don't fall back into a scarcity mindset thinking that there's not enough grace for you, thinking that, the, that there's not enough power to help you in your life. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm right here. I've got everything you need. I'm going to give you a new life. You need to be a new vessel. And so church, we can't settle. We can't sit still. We can't stop growing. We've got to be ready for God to lead us every day. We can't get tied down to just a style or a method or a way of doing things. We've got to stay true to Jesus' way and his message, and, and we've got to know that that's what matters the most. And many times he sends his message forth in new vessels. So it might look a little bit different. There might be new ways and new methods, but, but the truth of his word never changes. So... What's our response to Jesus' teaching? First of all, if you could bow your heads and close your eyes and just really internalize this right now. Our first response is, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, your first response is, Jesus, make me new.
Make me new. Some of you are here today and, you, and you're thinking, man, Joe, that's me. I've been, I've been trying, to, trying to get by just on the old, stale precepts of religion. I've just been trying to check, like if I go to church enough and if I pray enough and if I do these things, then maybe I'll be good enough for, for Jesus to, to save me. But that's just not how it works. He's saying, I want to give you a new heart and a new life. And it's not by your works so that no one can boast. It's by grace through faith. The fact that Jesus died for you on the cross and rose again on the third day. And some of you just need to, to settle into that simple faith and trust that Jesus will make you new today. And so if you have never given your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, but you want to pray that prayer and say, Jesus, make me new today. And you want to invite the creator of all things, Jesus, who died on the cross for you, who rose again. You want to invite him to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. You want to trust in him. And by doing so, you want to trust the promise when he says that you're going to be a new creation. You're going to be a new creation. That the old is going to pass and the new is going to come. If that's you and you want to give your heart and your life to Christ today, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray with you. Anybody say, hey, I want to be new. I want Jesus to make me new. Amen. I want to be new. Amen. God, I pray for my friends that have raised their hands. I pray that right now at their seat, you can meet them where they're at. Even by that raised hand, that was a, an example of their, their faith and their trust in you. If you raised your hand today or even at home watching the live stream, I want to encourage you to pray a simple prayer and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose again. I trust you with my life. Come into my heart today and make all things new. Amen. Just like this story, sometimes the Bible's kind of hard to understand. But I want to encourage you to grab a Bible from our Welcome Center if you need one today. We've got some other resources to help you in your walk with Christ. And, and man, hey, dig in. Ask questions. Get in a life group. They're coming up in September. We're going to start talking about those next week. But get on the journey of growing in your faith. Some of you here today, you might be saying, Joe... I'm a believer, but, man, I'm, I'm struggling. Sometimes I slip back into my, my old methods, my old thinking, but Jesus has new mercies for me every day. And so instead of settling on the old leftovers of my life and the old ways and the old traditions, and, and I, I want to I just be open and ready for Jesus to make me new every day. And so if you're a believer, you, know, you might be praying a prayer with me now that says, give me a new perspective. God, give me a new victory in my life. Give me a new grace for today. Give me a new attitude. Refine me, Jesus. And so let's go ahead and stand together and let's pray this closing prayer, inviting Jesus, no matter where we're at on our journey today, to make us new. Jesus, you said that we don't put an old patch or a new patch on old clothing. We don't put new wine in old vessels. And we know that we're made new only by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And God, we know that that work that you begin in our life, it doesn't stop on the day that we get saved. But every day there's new mercies. And so God, I pray that we wouldn't slip into a scarcity mindset that there's not enough. But that we would step into this fact that, that in you, there's more than enough for this season in our life and the next season in our life. And God, that you're gonna continue to make us new and that you're not gonna abandon us, you're not gonna leave us behind, but you're taking us on the journey and you're stretching us and you're speaking life into us and your mercies are new every day. And so here we are, Jesus. Continue to make us new. Help us to keep growing. Help us to never uh, settle. Help us to never coast. Help us to keep pressing in to the new things that you have for us every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We look forward to having you back next week.